Hi, I'm Stacy. I love chatting about how to find our callings, preferably cozied up with steaming beverages in a coffee shop. You can connect with me on social media at Stacy Summerow and subscribe to StacySummerow.com for a free discernment packet called How to Make the Right Choice. God's adventure awaits, my friend, and I am thrilled you're on the journey with me. Hey friends, it is so good to be back with you. If you're joining for the first time, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I hope you have a good, strong cup of coffee or something else delicious to drink. As we listen to this interview with Catherine Whitaker, you are going to love this Texan mama bear who is just full of wisdom and steadiness and tells us all those things that we need to hear. Today's episode is about discernment for converts. Um, about what we can learn from Catherine's uh, upbringing as a Protestant and then later a convert to the Catholic faith. I know I have Protestant listeners, and I love when you guys reach out to me. It's so cool hearing your perspectives. Catherine has also had to change direction many times in her life, and this is something that I know all of us encounter throughout our lives. There's things that happen that are not done according to the plan. It deviates from the plan that we had in our minds, so you're going to love her perspective on that. Before we get into that, I just want to let you know very exciting news. Today is the first day of registration for the God's Adventure Awaits Summit. Now, what is that? If this is your first time listening, the God's Adventure Awaits Summit is a collective of wisdom from many of the foremost Catholic minds today. We have Jackie and Bobby Angel, Jason Evert. We have Patrick Coffin, Father Mark Goring, Father Timothy Gallagher. We have uh, many of my previous podcast guests, We have so many incredible people, Sister Helena Burns, um, Sister Bethany Madonna. We just have so many incredible people joining us for this summit. It's free. It's going to be happening July 31st through August 2nd. And this is a dream event for anyone who is trying to discern their vocation. So if you're single Catholic, this is for you. If you are not single, but you know some single Catholics, please, please, please direct them to this summit. It's not just about religious life and the priesthood. It's about all four vocations. In fact, in our survey that I took of a thousand people for your burning questions on discernment, one of the top choices or one of the top questions was, what is consecrated virginity? What is that even about? And so we actually have four women who are living the, the vocation of consecrated virginity who are going to speak for the summit. And we have a ton of topics. I mean, there's gonna be over 40 talks and we're still adding speakers. So you can sign up by going to stacysummerow.com slash adventure and just put your name and email and you will be registered for free. We'll also be doing fun giveaways. It's gonna be just an action-packed weekend to help discern your next steps. Not only that, but we also have something new called the virtual meet and greet. This is a basically like a catalog of religious organizations and uh, mission organizations. So religious communities, mission organizations, and they are joining us for basically what's like a virtual exhibit hall. And you can browse, you can check out their profiles, and then you can hop into Zoom calls with them throughout the weekend to make a personal first impression. With the worldwide cancellation of events due to COVID-19, I think this is going to be an amazing way to just connect people, help them to make those connections really quickly and really easily. So I am super, super, super excited for this. And I'm so excited, you guys... (laughs) I have been working my tail off for the last month and a half to get this launched, and I'm so excited for you to see the homepage and go ahead and enter your email and sign up. So please help me by spreading the word to all of your networks. 
Another thing I wanted to tell you is that there is a Patreon community, a vibrant and growing Patreon community for Called and Caffeinated that I invite you to join. Membership starts at just $5 a month. We have more fun than canon law allows. And we have monthly video chats. And you also get exclusive access to my secondary podcast called Coffee Sips, which is my faith and lifestyle show. And that comes out every other week. So every week I don't release an episode of Called and Caffeinated. I will release an episode of Coffee Sips. So you can get little dose of Stacy in your earbuds every week. <laughs> if that sounds appealing to you, come on over to patreon.com slash called and caffeinated. And we have new members joining all the time. It is a wonderful, wonderful place. So come on over and check it out. Finally, I wanted to tell you about Guadalupe Roastery. Guadalupe Roastery reached out to me and I had heard of them before, but I didn't really know that much about their mission. I'm so happy to partner with them. This is a company that is working to provide a living wage to workers in countries where typically workers only get paid five to seven dollars a day. Can you imagine making five to seven dollars a day? That's less than a dollar an hour. So Guadalupe Roastery cuts out the middleman and they directly source their coffee from farmers who can pay their workers a living wage. Um, so this is working to improve the conditions for the coffee workers. The coffee smells amazing. I mean, <laughs> right out of the bag before I even tasted it, I took it out of my mailbox and I could just smell it through the bag. And I was like, oh my gosh, this smells incredible. I'm not a coffee snob. I don't know the difference between a French roast and Nicaraguan or anything like that. But I tell you, this coffee will make your taste buds tingle. It is so, so, so delicious. So if you use the code caffeinated10, that's caffeinated10, you will get 10% off of your order. And that also will give a little kickback to my family and my ministry as well. So I encourage you to check them out, guadalupearoastery.com. Okay, that is enough talk. Let us get to my friend, Catherine Whitaker. Here she is. And it's so great to have you on Called and Caffeinated. Thanks for being my guest. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad Thanks we can find. Awesome yeah, you too. It is so fun. I'm so glad we're finally doing this after months of trying to make this work. Um, but you know, mom life, it is what it is. And it, this is actually great because now Called and Caffeinated is a YouTube show as well as a podcast. So this is really nice. You're one of my first um, video recorded guests, which is cool. And you're wearing such a beautiful shirt. So you came prepared. Thank you. You got your sweet tea? I do. Yes, I have a big, big sweet tea. Oh, you I'm are not kidding around. You are serious with that sweet tea. I love that. So what calls have you received from God in your life so far? And what has receiving those calls looked and felt like? So calls, I guess, have looked like um, motherhood, which I thought I would always be a mom, but I certainly didn't think that I was going to be the mom of six. So that's a huge one. And then um, I never thought I would marry a boy that was Catholic. Uh, (laughs) I thought I would marry a cute boy with blue eyes who loved Jesus. And indeed, I did get that. I just got the added bonus of sacraments. So, um, yeah, and, and, you know, we had this beautiful call to leave the state of Texas. I mean, you can hear my accent a little bit. And we lived away for seven years in Iowa and Indiana. And then God was like, hey, I need you back in Texas. So we've been back in Texas for 17 years. Wow. So Did you just feel like very different. Yeah. Did you always feel like you just kind of belonged in Texas? Like that was home for you? Always. I have a saying that you can take the girl out of Texas, but you can't take the Texas out of the girl. Mm. So I loved living in Iowa and I loved, loved living in Indiana, mm. but Texas is home. It's where we're from. It's where I sound like. So it's yes. always been home. 
Yeah, I was just commenting to my husband this morning, we were walking along, taking a little hike through a Civil War battlefield. And I was like, you know, Virginia just feels like home. There's something about the New York landscape that just never quite was home for me, even though it's very beautiful. So I totally relate. Yeah. And one of your calls has been writing a book. So I have it right here. This is Live Big, Love Bigger. I have one. I know I have one. Except it's got the sticker on it that says Catherine's book. It's the one that, so it's super fun. (laughs) People signed all those pages. So that made it fun. Yeah. Is that the one that we signed, that I signed when we met in person? Okay. Nice. So we got to meet at um, a fellow Catholic Instagrammer's house (laughs) who held an event for your book signing, which was so fun. So great to meet you in person. This was last fall. Gosh, this was months and months ago. And I was really, so your your book features a very beautiful pair of um, boots on the front. And I was so happy that you actually were wearing the boots at the meetup. I like geeked out. I was like, you guys, she's here in the boots. <laughs> I wore those. I mean, with the exception of just a handful of places on the book tour, um, I wore them everywhere. So, nice. and then of course, after I finished the book tour, my husband gave me, you probably don't know, we have boot pullers. So a boot puller huh. is like you step on it with one foot and then you put, it's got a U shape and you put the heel of the boot in the other and it, because you have to pull boots from the heel. It's not like a normal shoe. So wow. when your feet, when you wear them all day, they get pretty tight because they fit your feet. Yep. And so it's quite a little tricky sometimes when I'd be in a hotel room, I'd say, um, how am I going to get these off? Am I sleeping in these? <laughs> that is hilarious. So, but it wasn't until the end of the tour that my husband was like, I got you a boot puller. And I went, I needed this like four months ago, but That's it's definitely hilarious. coming in handy now because airports don't have boot pullers, at least not most huh. places. Well, yeah, only in Texas. I was going to say, maybe in Texas they have boot pullers. That is so funny and random. Um, things I never knew before. I love it. <laughs> well, your book is your book is beautiful. It's fantastic. And it goes through just, I mean, you've had such a fascinating life. You've had a lot of struggle in your life and just a lot of change. Um, I guess I want to start with this kind of this... I don't know if you'd call it your rule of life, but in the book, you just said this beautiful thing you wrote, like, maybe you should start putting your life into two categories, either a no or a hell yes. And uh, as I, I, that resonated with me because there's so much that we can waste time on. There's so much that feels like a good idea and we w- think we should say yes to it, but it's not a hell yes. It's just a, yeah, okay. And then when you kind of make it into one of those two things, it's very simple. So how did you arrive at that and how has it changed your life for the better? Well, I mean, the big catalyst for our life was when we had our fifth baby who was born premature. Mm -hmm. So that certainly helps you put things in priority Mm -hmm. level. If this is important, this is not important, or it certainly shifts your perspective. So things that really you worried or stressed about before, you don't stress about or worry about as much as you did Mm -hmm. after after the big event. When it really came down for us choosing to say yes or a hell yes, or is it a no, was really when we had our sixth baby following the preemie. That, you know, people assume because you have a bunch of kids that you have your life together, that you know things. (laughs) And the reality is is that you just learned to fake it a lot better than everybody else. Mm -hmm. You've also lowered your standards. But we just, we got in too deep. And I think we realized, hey, we got to reevaluate. Like, life is bananas. So let's actually make our yeses mean something. So Luke sort of started that. And certainly all of his hospitalizations and all the crazy things that happened with him. Mm -hmm. And then adding a sixth baby was a real like defining moment to say, okay, crystal clear. Now Jesus wants us to do certain things and we need to be smart about our time. I mean, that's what happens when you have teenagers and they're involved in all sorts of things. And you, 
I can't buy locate. I'm not Padre Pio. I can't be in all the places at all the times. So you have to make a you have to make a decision, and it's usually unpopular, but it's almost always for the best. Yeah. Well, I feel like as a single person, actually, that was a really important lesson that it took me a long time to learn. Like you before, like I didn't have six kids. I had so much time that I had optionally to spend. Like I didn't realize I had so much free time, but I did. And I still felt like there were all these obligations, but when you learn to say no, your life opens up in a new way when you learn to prioritize um, certain things. And there's, yeah, I feel like that's a hallmark of my twenties was just like feeling like I had to say yes to things or feeling obligated just to please people. And then you, you know, then the actual event is coming up and you're like, why did I say yes to this? Why did I really say yes to this? And it was like, it was stuff that was good, like objectively good, but it's just stuff that is like, I didn't need to say yes to that. And now I feel like, I feel like when I turned 30 last year, my feet just like hit the ground and I was just like, you know what? I don't need to say yes to this. That's fine. <laughs> Girl, you're a baby. You're 30. You are a baby. I'm, I'm in 30, my 40s. Wait till 31. you get to your 40s. <laughs> 31. So don't. Yeah, I mean, that's usually the thing is that people have a hard time choosing between yeses because it's always good things. Yes. Not mm-hmm. always. But a lot of times you're turning this really great thing down for this other really great thing. And so yes. instead of turning them both down, you just say yes to not just those two, but all the things. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a really hard thing for us to do as women to not because we are people pleasers or we don't want people to think that we're not good at what we do or that we're Mm -hmm. overwhelmed or, you know, God forbid someone not like you because you said no. I mean, we worried all about what you think. So I think I had to get past all of that. And I had, you have to start, I mean, you can't just slash and burn your whole life and just start being like yes to this and no to everything else. I mean, I think it's a process and I always say, I mean, God gives you life experiences for a reason. So hopefully you don't have to repeat the life experience. Hopefully you learn from it Yes, and you're better for it. And so Mm -hmm. I wouldn't wish some of the hard things that we had in our life on other people, but they certainly strengthened my faith Mm -hmm. and they allowed me to say yes with and no's without apology. I think that was the biggest difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where the art of discernment comes in. This podcast is all about discernment. You only discern between good things. If something's not good, you don't have to discern it. You just say no. It's when you have many good things and we all have many good things. Even our, even our devices, you know, are objectively new. Well, they're neutral. I'd say they're not necessarily objectively good, but they can be used well, but then they can also be used poorly. So we just have endless options. And this is where it gets like really to just like hone in on what's really important. So, yeah. So yeah, I want to shift a little bit into your, uh, your conversion journey. So I don't know if I've had, I've had a few converts on here, but you talked about it a lot in your book. And um, I'm just curious, I have some non-Catholic listeners, I have Protestant listeners, and they write to me and I love hearing from them. And I'm just so fascinated with how Protestants understand God's voice in their lives. Like, it seems to me like a lot, so there's the stereotype that Catholics don't read the Bible and Protestants do. And I think going along with that, you know, that's not to say that that's every Protestant or every Catholic, but I think that going along with that, there's maybe a sense of personal ownership within um, growing, growing up Protestant where you really take God's word personally in a way that maybe we're not taught to do as Catholics. So was that your experience? And then second part of the question is how did that change as you became Catholic or did it? Yeah. I mean, God was absolutely personal to me. I mean, we talked a lot about, is he your personal Lord and savior? 
and my relationship with him is very strong mm-hmm. and I still consider that. But I believe that I was led to a really deep relationship with him is because I learned to love scripture. And that's one thing that I wish Catholics did better mm-hmm. is we used to bring our Bibles with us to church. And so when the minister, while it wasn't the same readings every, like at every Baptist church or every, so I was raised in a whole bunch of different groups, Nazarene, Baptist, Methodist, all of them. So you wouldn't go from like Baptist church to Baptist church and hear the same thing per se in the scripture, but we were always taught to bring our Bible so that we could reflect on what the preacher was saying and we were reading the scripture. So I think for me, it was very personal because I read his words every week and I heard them all the time. My friends were constantly quoting scripture and not in a, you need to remember this, but like really instilling it into your heart. Mm. And so discernment for me, I think became, I mean, I think for for me, it was very linear. Like it's me and Jesus. Like it's the Mm. two of us. When I became Catholic, we added in, there was this beautiful Holy Cross priest, actually he was a brother, sorry. And he was talking about discernment and he was like talking about the three pronged approach, like discernment's about three pieces. You know, you hear the call from God, you receive affirmation, and then you pray in community. So those three things, he's like, you can't just do one or just do two or just do none. Like they all have to be in congruence together. And it wasn't until I heard brother Joel explain it that way and I, I think maybe to some extent I was probably doing that to some extent, but I really identified and honed in on that. And I'm like, where am I receiving affirmation? Because sometimes people be like, oh, I have a, have a call. And then I saw this article in the paper and I knew I had to do it. But I'm like, but what about the community of people around you? Are they affirming you? Are they encouraging you? And I mean, sometimes we do things that are against the brain and people are like, that's crazy. You shouldn't do that. But I think his point was when you surround yourself with good, holy, and people that are, um, as I would call them, spiritually grown, that affirmation means more because you know where it's coming from. It's not coming from a place of jealousy or pride, but it's coming from a real place of goodness for you. Mm-hmm. So I think that's how that shifted when I became Catholic. Yeah, that's so good. Um, and I think that when we are discerning our vocations, a lot of times we kind of think that we're, we need to hear this God voice and then it needs to sometimes be like this dramatic thing or, you know, it needs to be like this U-turn. But like the truth is like you have to live in community with whatever religious order or with whatever person, you know, you choose to marry or to whatever order you join. And so there's like, you have to make sure that you fit their order or your husband, you know, fits or wife fits, fits your life as well. It's not just this voice from God, but there is an outside affirmation that needs to come in. That's really good. And how that looks is like super different for each of us. So of course God can reach us in so many different ways, but um, yeah. Yeah. So that's really beautiful that you were sort of attuned to hearing God's voice. What is that actually, if you don't mind my asking, like, what does it sound like for you when you feel a call from God? And I know there's all kinds of different calls, but Maybe this is a hard thing to articulate, um, but I think everyone wants to know what does a call from God actually feel like? So what does that feel like for you? I mean, God speaks to me through scripture and through praise and worship music. That's the Protestant, mm. former Protestant me. Love it. I mean, I think sometimes people will sing something or say something in a way that I'll think, oh, that that's like, now, now I know, I, I can feel feel it, tangibly feel it. I feel very close actually of of the Trinity. Probably the Holy Spirit is the one that I've always felt closest to. Mm. Um, I don't know. But but in my case, I think it's always been through song and through scripture. So I haven't, I mean, there have been places where I've felt his palpable presence. Uh, One of those times was in the neonatal intensive care unit with our fifth baby. I mean, you could 
feel, I mean, I could feel it. I knew that he was present. I mean, I could see, I could see it in the words that my nurses would say, because it would be a prayer that I would have just said. And then someone walks in the door and says exactly what I've been praying to God to ask me for. Wow. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy. And I'll tell you this, Stacey, there have been a lot of times, I'd say in the last four or five years that I've really reached out to God and been like, man, I'm kind of feeling abandoned here. I'm feeling like you need to really show me that you love me and that you care about me. And without fail, every time I've prayed that prayer in earnest and said, I need you to show me, love me in the door or in my email or in my inbox or on my text messages is a Dominican sister. We have Mm -hmm. a group of Ann Arbor Dominicans here in Austin. And um, actually just a, a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting upstairs. I was feeling completely just defeated from all this craziness that's going on. And I just sat amidst like toys that needed to be sorted. And I was feeling sorry for myself. And I look at my phone. I'm like, who is calling me from Georgetown, which is a a city just up the road. And I pick it up and they're like, is this Catherine? And I was like, is this sister Maria Rosario? And indeed it was. So, well, I don't think that everyone speaks, you know, that God doesn't always use sisters. I mean, that's been his special connection with me to him. And just in the last few years, it's been one that I'm very grateful for. So I think I God can in all the places. You just have to be open to hearing how he wants to talk to you specifically. And how he wants to talk to you is going to look totally different than how he reaches somebody else. So don't be yes. jealous of how someone else hears him because that's the way that you're going to hear the best. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Because I, you read the lives of the saints and you think, well, God isn't speaking to me like this, or God isn't speaking to me like that. Or like he's, he loves this person more than he loves me. When we think that there's like a favorite child, you know, but we're all his favorite child. You know, it's so cool that you, that you bring that up about feeling defeated and feeling abandoned and, and God answering that prayer. Um, he has been fulfilling his promise to me of his presence in my life in ways like, I feel like the greater the space and the greater the need the more immediate and the more spectacular he's going spectacularly, he's going to fill it for you. Um, and I was just, uh, I was just like struggling with this situation where it's like, I'm trying my best, but I feel misunderstood. And I just, I'm trying so hard to communicate and see the bigger picture, but this person was just not getting it. And, you know, and I was feeling very defeated about that. And I was like, this was like three weeks ago. And meanwhile, I'm very tired. I'm in the middle of running the Be Not Afraid conference. Um, And that was like a marathon, a beautiful marathon. And so I'm just like, I just kept hearing the the words from scripture. And I wasn't even reading the scripture, that scripture that day, but the words kept coming to me. I think it was Exodus, either Exodus 13, 14 or Exodus 14, 13. Um, The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And I was like, okay, here I am in quarantine. What's going to happen, Lord? What are you going to do? Like, how is, how is someone actually going to find me? I have literally nowhere to go today. And in the mail that day, I got, actually, I happen to be wearing it because I'm just never going to take it off again. I don't know if you can see it, but it is a yeah. sacred heart necklace. It was from my friend, Allison. And the sacred heart is my special connection. Like you said, the Dominican sisters, sacred heart of Jesus. Like he finds me through that imagery. He finds me through that reminder, that affirmation of himself and what it, it was so beautiful. I got it in the mail and it was just like the waterworks turned on. And you know what was enclosed in there? So it's from my friend, Allison, who does um, Humble Mission Beads. Actually, she was at the meetup where we met in person. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah do you know her? Yes. Yeah, she's yes. wonderful. She just sent this necklace to me just because, just for free, just because she's a wonderful person. No idea that this was the day I needed it. And her mission statement is Humble Mission Beads. So she sends the litany of humility with every, I guess, with every necklace that or 
piece of jewelry she sends out. And so she sent me the litany of humility, which was the perfect thing that I needed to hear in this moment of being feeling misunderstood and wanting to feel right and wanting to be validated as right. And, you know, and, and that litany is very challenging. And you pro- have you heard, you've read the litany of humility. Yeah. And it's like, it's humbling just to read it. <laughs> yup. To even like begin to enter into it is like, what? And I used to struggle with that so much, but I, I recognize this is exactly what I need to be praying today. Yeah. I mean, I do think it's possible to, trust in those words and believe those words, but yet still feel very distant from Jesus. You know, I, I mean, there were, there were times, specific moments in my life when I felt like I feel your presence, but I'm really doubting, like, are you really, are you really caring about me as much as you say you are? I mean, there's mm-hmm. spiritual, I mean, you hear about Mother Teresa. I mean, many of the saints remind us that just because you live a life for Christ doesn't mean that it's all happy clappy. And that you always believe that it's going to be this beautiful journey. I mean, our life is going to be full of suffering, no matter who you are or where you are. I mean, that's part of the deal. So, I mean, I would encourage people too that, I mean, sometimes scripture speaks to you. I always tell people if, if scripture freaks you out, like if you're looking at the Bible and you're like very intimidated, mm-hmm. start with the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and read Matthew first. It's the hardest one. So start with the second one. But those are the best stories in the Bible. It's the story of Jesus' life and his ministry. So get hooked into those first. Don't start with like Lamentations or Ephesians. Like start there <laughs> in the Gospels and then go from there. Because I think that's yes. when you start to, yes. to own and believe in God's love for you. And then in those spiritual draw spells, I mean, those are there have been some moments that I'm like, that's as close as I'm going to get to Jesus as reading scripture today because I am, I'm not feeling it at all. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Right. You don't have to be feeling like you're dancing around for joy every minute Um, because our Lord suffered and felt abandoned himself when he was about to die for us. And his, you know, his last words were, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, But God was still there in that. It was just uh, Jesus entering into that suffering and not being delivered from it until he died is that's like the ultimate proof that he wants to just be with us and to redeem, to turn something that's so bad into something that's so good. Um, I was just talking to my husband about that last night. And it's like, what else, what can touch you? If, if suffering can't overcome you, what does the devil have over you? And the answer is nothing. Yeah. So there's great beauty in it. And there's such a, so uh, you, you've been through so much with just, your plans changing a lot. Like you've had health challenges, you know, every time there's a new baby in the mix, you know, that's a whole life adjustment. And then, you know, baby with special needs and just so much, so many attitude readjustment hours, it seems. Um, that's what I always call it for myself. That's a good, readjust an hour. We just like redirect, we get our emotions under control and then we move forward with whatever we need to do. So what does that look like for you when all of these, like even your, I think it was your 20th wedding anniversary, you went to, to Spain and it was like full of disappointment. And you were like, you know, but, but you found all these beautiful things that you would not otherwise have, uh, have been able to see if your plans had gone according to plan. So what does that look like for you when you have to change your attitude about things? Oh, well, I mean, I do what normal people do and I get really annoyed with Jesus and I'm like, 
Um, I'm sorry, God, because I had a color-coded plan of how it was all supposed to go. You deviated from the plan. So it, it, it usually, I mean, for me, I finally uh, settled into the fact that I have to cry and get really frustrated with Jesus first. Mm. That's the human part of me. Like, I got to get it out. And then I like take a deep breath and I'm like, all right. So now how are we going to do this? By nature, I'm a typically positive person. I married mm. a guy whose number one strength is uh, positivity. Mm. So he's like always, uh, not that hard things haven't come, but he always tries to see the sunny side, not in some sort of fit of delusion, but like he really genuinely does see the sunny side of life. So mm. I think partly him <laughs> is a big reason why we've been able to weather some of the things is he's like, it's all right. We're in the NICU, but look at all these doctors here. Yeah, I know you have two rods and 24 screws on your back, but now you're two inches taller. Like he's always <laughs> seeing, um, <laughs> he's always seeing that. So I think first you have to be honest with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then I think you have to settle in and say, okay, so I recognize this is hard. So then you have to build your community of people to walk you through the hard days. And then you have to trust that God's going to give you the things that you need in that moment. I think the big thing and the big challenge with most of us is that when something bad happens, we hypothesize about what it's going to be like a week from now, a month from now, a year from now. And we're like, well, I can't do that. And we start living in a period of the future that has not yet existed. And -hmm. instead of just saying, okay, so we're going to do today. And I think I learned that in the NICU, like you just take today for today. It's one day at a time because there's too many things that can change. Mm-hmm. And so while I may fight with God initially, I think then you start to settle in, okay, so what are we going to do today? So I think those are kind of the things that I typically do when something hard happens is mm-hmm. I get that first, just like everybody else does. And then we settle yeah. on. Yeah, I love that. And then you also talked about, so you've had back, um, you've had, you have screws in your back and, uh, and metal in your spine, which looks freaking painful. <laughs> Sounds so hard. Oh my gosh. But you were, you were like recovering from that. And then I loved in your book, you said you could decided that you could either ride the pity bus or the hustle bus. And you decided to ride the hustle bus. And I was like, yes, mama, like there we, ha- and I feel like we have to do that over and over again in our lives. So maybe this is a similar question to what I just asked, but going from that place of like worry to like, I'm just going to do what I can do. I'm just going to control what I can control. What is that switch like for you? you? Well, I mean, I'm Southern and I'm Texan and I'm also very, I mean, the stubborn streak in me is like, well, someone just told me that I can't do something. So (laughs) watch me. So, I mean, I think my kids are truly the reason that God willing, I will make it to heaven someday. Mm-hmm. I was telling my husband the other day, I said, so um, the subordinates here today have given me a poor performance rating. <laughs> it was a rough day. <laughs> and they're always pointing out your deficiencies and how you're failing. So I said, I never wonder like, gee, I wonder what I should work on because they tell me every day. <laughs> so I'm grateful that when it comes to that kind of stuff, my kids remind me like what I'm, what I can grow, how, you know, how I can change. And I mean, I think ultimately our life is a choice. I mean, we choose, God gave us free will. So yes, circumstances are hard, but you know what? You don't get to own that exclusively because everybody has hard stuff in their life. So you get to choose. I mean, I've had the blessing of meeting people who you look at them and think they should be bitter. They should be angry. They should be resentful and they're not. And, Mm -hmm. And it's more than just like, well, I choose to be happy. I mean, I think it's a a faith in knowing that you have a God who's going to carry you, a community that loves you, and then you ultimately make the choice as to what path you're going to go down. And I think there were a lot of days, Stacey, mm-hmm. that I had to choose to see the good. 
because the bad was like stacking up. And I'm like, so today we're going to see the good. Mm. And then there's days that it's hard. And I allow myself to feel the feelings and be sad, but you don't need to stay there too long. Mm. It's not a good place to be. So it's a choice. And, and so I've learned to let myself feel those and like sit with them and then be like, okay, and now it's time to go get a Dr. Pepper, go for a walk, love on my kids, eat some ice cream, you know, do whatever it is that you need to do. Mm-hmm. And then you choose to move forward. That's yeah. just, that just comes after like going through battle after battle after battle. Like you just start to learn and you're like, All right. so I think the, uh, I call it the course correction gets shorter every time. Yes. Yes. And you learn too. I think just what, like, I think of, of, um, worry and just like sitting there doing nothing. Like it seems like such a waste of time. And that's not to say that I never do it. I worry a lot, but, but the, as I'm getting a little older, I'm realizing that just sitting there doing nothing has never done anything good for me before. And so, it, <laughs> and same thing with say like forgiving someone, someone, um, I, I think, I think I heard it on a retreat. It was something like, um, you don't forgive for the sake of the other person. You forgive for the sake of yourself. Because it, it hurts you if you hold on to that. The only way forward is to release them from that. Because otherwise, what you're doing is you're building your whole life around someone else doing something. And you cannot control other people. So it's actually like a, just a very logically sensible thing to do. Um, but when you're in the emotion, it's really hard. But I, I love that. that You just kind of... Um, it's like the ultimate adulting. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, I finally figured, I was like, "Ah, I have six kids and I've been married 23 years. I think that qualifies me as an adult. (laughs) We've arrived. So, um, I mean, it doesn't mean that you don't, I mean, that you don't get frustrated or that you don't get angry, that things aren't difficult. I mean, those Mm. squashing those emotions, I think is just as harmful as always, you know, trying to be negative all the time. I mean, there's a balance, right? So Mm. finding that balance, finding your people. And then, I mean, recognizing that, that ultimately you, that God has a purpose for you. And so the problem, Father Stan Fortuna has said this before. He's um, in New York city. And he said, the the challenge is not that God gives all of us a gift. The challenge is that we look at our gifts and say, I want a different gift. Mm. Like God has chosen to give that to you. I don't like these gifts. I want different gifts. And God's like, no, 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 no. These are the ones that you get. So instead mm-hmm. of settling into what it is Jesus wants to do, we keep looking at everybody else saying, well, I want to do that. And I want to do this. And why can't I do that? Instead of just staying in your lane, like yeah. be content, be grateful, use them as inspiration and encouragement, but quit trying to live somebody else's life. Like that's mm-hmm. when you have to be confident in who you are and what God has asked you to do. And I think that makes those trials and those sufferings it's like, all right. So clearly we have some room for growth here. Like what is God trying to teach me here? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to kick and scream along the way but we're also going to find a way out if I'll let him do his thing, you know? Yes. I want to say it was Mary Lenneberg, who our mutual friend, who said the the cross that God has for you is the one that perfectly fits your shoulder. It's Ooh, not. Cool. Yeah. And you shared in your book as well about Saint, the prayer you found of St. Francis de Sales, where your cross is not one inch too long or one ounce too heavy. And that's not exactly what you said, because you were talking about using your gifts. But a lot of times we would rather trade our... Um, you know, I think what I've found when it comes to... And, and, and this is probably goes back to my blogging days. Hmm. Even though I still have my blog and I still do it. I certainly don't. I use blogging like five or six days a week. Hmm. But I remember I would spend like hours over like a post, for example. And I was like, this, this is what people need to hear. Like, this is what... And there'd be like 
couple of comments or maybe somebody might say something. I was like, gosh, like, and then one of my posts, which went viral, which still blows my mind, I wrote in less than 10 minutes. As a matter of fact, the only reason that it was, it was even that amount of time is my husband was like, hey, can you hurry up and get that written? Because we got a show to watch. I was like, yeah, hold on. Let me bang this out real quick. And I banged it out and it ended up like blowing up the internet. Wow. And I was like, because I didn't overthink it. Like, I think we have a tendency to overthink things. I do. Yes. I'm a planner. I'm an activator. Like, I get things done. I'm going to say things. I would have said something else normally. But, I mean, I get stuff done. <laughs> and uh, and sometimes I overthink it. Like, all right, so if we do this and this, and I try to think of all the things that I can control. And when I abandon that, and when I'm like, I'm just going to do this one thing real quick because I think, oh, it probably needs to be done. Or, yeah, you know, God said, you know, whatever. And you do it. And then it blows up. And you're like, oh, my gosh, it's because I wasn't the one in control. Yes. I finally let somebody else like take the driver's seat. Yes. So I'm learning that when I start to take things, like when I start to overthink things, that that's when I'm like, I should probably, I should probably pump the brakes a little bit. We probably shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Or so, when you start to over-identify it with a sense of your own self-worth, like if this takes off, I, it means that I'm good. If this doesn't take off, it means that I'm not good enough. Yeah. That's, that's Somebody real. told me one time, they said, um, if you're willing to walk away from something like for blogging, for example, um, if you're not willing to walk away from blogging, then that's when you should walk away. Cool. Like if you have this big business and you're like, there's no way I can walk away because they absolutely need me. But if you're like, mm. I can walk, if God asked me to do that, I can walk away from that. And it's about detachment. So mm. it really has put, you know, social media stuff into perspective. Like if I couldn't yes. just shut it down tomorrow, then maybe I'm identifying with the wrong thing. Like we tend to think like my voice or whatever, like people have to hear this. No, they don't. They do not have to hear that. That's Jesus. That's not you. Mm. So you have to learn. And and that has only come because I have massively failed sometimes. And I'm like, wow, I thought really highly of myself when I should have lowered lowered the bar a little bit. I'm not nearly as important as I think I am. And I think we have all struggled with that in some way, shape another whether it's you know online or in our real lives so for me yeah, I think yeah. it's it's come from being able to detach like asking myself the hard questions yes and that's why surrender is so important I've talked about this so many times on this podcast but the importance of I prayed this prayer of surrender when I was discerning my vocation and I found like okay if I'm going to really discern my vocation I have to actually be willing to be a nun if God asks me to be a nun even though I didn't want it and that there's nothing more purifying than that but I love what you said it's really funny because when I was living in New York City and I was an actress and I would go to audition every day that was my full-time job was auditioning um, because that's what you do everybody's full-time job is auditioning and then on the side you work as a waitress you know to make your money and stuff so I used to talk with my actor friends and we all would say over and over again the roles that we actually booked so there's like a thousand people at every audition right and maybe like 10 people book the role so it's like the odds are so small but the roles that we did book were all ones where we were not personally invested in the audition. It was like, yeah, maybe I'll just try out for this today. Yeah, maybe I'll just stop by, you know, Shetler Studios and just pop in there. And and that's the one you book because when you think, you start to think I am perfect for this role. This role fits me perfectly. Like Glinda in Wicked is my dream role. Oh, have you ever seen I that? I love Wicked. No, I love oh, Wicked. Love it. I, and love I it. have had so many people tell me that I would be really good for Glinda because I'm a super quirky blonde, right? And my face does these things. <laughs> but I know in my heart, like I would never book Linda on Broadway. Well, don't, never say never. I don't get to use the word impossible ever because I'm a Christian. But 
I know if I were to walk in there, I'd be like, this is my role. And then I would, I would flub it because I would be over identifying myself with it. I wouldn't be detached. So maybe I'll get to be detached from it someday. And then maybe I'll book. And then, and then just fly in and be like, no, I think I'll try out. Let's see what happens. Right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. let's just, let's just try out for Glinda today. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so true though. It's so true when you detach, the more detached you are. And that's hard to hear when you're, I feel like, especially when you're really young before you learn that lesson, it's really hard. Um, you feel things so deeply and you have such intense emotions. I remember as a teenager, it's like, how do I not want something? I have but our society to. all the time, Stacey says, let me see your curriculum vitae. What have you done? Who do yes. you know? What have you accomplished? Like we tie our whole identity mm-hmm. to accolades. So it makes perfect sense when we've invested ourselves in something and then it blows up and it doesn't work that we're like, well, I must be a failure mm-hmm. because We've, we've invested in the wrong thing. You know, mm. I used to, I used to go to parties with my husband, like work parties and people were like, you know, what do you, what do you do? I'm like, I'm just a mom. And now mm. when I speak, I'm always like, do not use these words before you say who you are. You are not just a, you mm. are a, you are a mom. You are a businesswoman. You are a woman of God, whatever it is that you choose to share, but you're not just a. I hate that, but I only yes. learned it yeah. because I started to identify myself, my, my worth with the things instead of, mm-hmm. you know, who created me. But man, mm-hmm. that takes time. I mean, you gotta, yeah. you gotta fall a little bit. You gotta figure out who you are. You gotta figure out what your purpose is and recognize that God's going to switch that up on you. <laughs> he never lets you stay in the cruise lane for very long. Right. So it's right. just, it's surrender. <laughs> we talked about that, but yeah, it's absolutely that. Yeah, that's a perfect segue into my next question, too, because I feel like the authentic sense of self-worth, the authentic um, identity of who we are comes from stillness, comes from um, from you and I are both doers, I feel. And so we like to take control and we like to doing stuff has never been a problem. Being still is a problem for me. And you had a, a lot of that in your book. You talked about how to find stillness with a family of, you know, six children. Um, so how do you, how do you find stillness? Um, like, like not just like quiet, but actual peace, (laughs) the actual place of peace in your heart where God can reach you. How do you do that? Well, I mean, at first I think it comes down to what your hell yeses are. And I think when you start, we started sitting down with our kids and saying like, what is it that you want to do? Where, where, you know, what gift it is that you want to nurture you know, what, mm-hmm. what you want to pursue, because I think that starts to help you synthesize as to what, where you put your time and energy. And I think when you start to th- synthesize where God is calling you, how he wants to grow you or shape you, then you're, you're allowing yourself stillness because instead of feeling all the extra, extra time with just stuff, you've, you've developed a lane that you need to be in for that particular season and do it. Mm-hmm. And I also think it comes down to intention. So we can go on a family vacation, but along the way, we're going to choose some places that we think are going to allow our kids to grow. In faith. So we did this crazy, like I talk about in the book, this 50 barbecue. We went to 50 barbecue joints in the state of Texas, all 50. That's great. Of the best barbecue in the state. So the, the state magazine puts out this top 50 list. So we went to all 50 with nice. all the kids, but we didn't just go and no, we didn't do it like all at one time. Like we broke it up. 
but we didn't just go eat good barbecue. Like when we went down to South Texas, we went to the Basilica of San Juan del Valle. Mm -hmm. And so our kids were able to be part of the Basilica. We went to mass. We got to go to confession. We walked the the outdoor stations of the cross and then we went and had barbecue. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, there are ways to do things like that, which I think allow for, for probably what would be a pretty chaotic, like let's take eight people on a vacation, but we found a spot because we chose to be intentional. So I think people's um, thought is, oh, in a family of eight, you could never have quiet, peace and quiet. That is true. <laughs> That's very true. But I think when you're intentional about that, and then also when you help not only your kids, but your, you and your spouse figure out like, how does God want to grow and shape me this year? And then how do you support each other? I think that allows you to find those pockets of, hey, this would be really fun to do because it would really help so-and-so in our family. So we should do that. And so people are at peace because you're not just filling it full of stuff. I mean, I think that's the beauty of what's going on right now is that all that stuff has been stripped away. And now people have to get honest with themselves. Like now you can't blame it on the other people because it's clear. So if you're not feeling at peace, then you got to start asking yourself some hard questions about where God needs you to be. and what that may look like and so I think that's how you find stillness is intention and then also just a singular um, ability to help people grow in the way that God wants them to grow in your family I love that and for anyone listening who's single who isn't married doesn't have six children um, I I think you still have to be intentional about your time like we talked about at the beginning because there is so much there are so many parties that I went to and so many just things and like there's always like a volunteer opportunity, that's a good thing. But if you're overscheduling yourself, sometimes you just need to rest. <laughs> and yes, like sitting at home and drinking a glass of wine and taking a bath and reading a really good book, that is a legitimate way to spend an evening. Is <laughs> time alone I mean, with I'll yourself. Tell you, I really feel for people who are single because I think people look at them and they're like, oh, give it to them. They don't have anything to do. As if their time is less valuable than mm. someone who has six kids. Like, The time valuability is just as important and discernment. You don't get to like take a break from that because you have all the time in the world. Like discernment isn't about time. It's about intention. So whether you're married or whether you're single or whether you're somewhere in between, it's still the same. The rules still apply. As someone told me one time, uh, there's no easy vocation. If there was, Mm -hmm. we'd all be doing it. (laughs) So everybody has a different. Amen to that. Yes. And I found when I was single, my, um, I have to be super intentional now as a mom about how I find my quiet time and how I find my peace. Usually it's nap time because I am not the early riser type. Um, And even if I was the early riser type, my kid, uh, one of my toddlers gets in bed with us every night. And so whenever I were to get up, he would get up. So there's, I'm sort of like held in prison until he wakes up. (laughs) Um, So anyway, nap time is usually my time when I carve out the quiet and the stillness. Um, But yeah, it's it's never going to be, and this was true when I was single, it's never going to be easy. It's never going to be the thing that's like, your your soul craves it, but it's never going to be the thing that you most need to do or that you most feel like you need to do at any time, but you have to be, yeah, I love that. The hell yeses, like where are the hell yeses and then let go of the rest. I love it. Yes. So good. Thank you, Catherine. This has been wonderful. And I can't wait to put this out in the world. I don't, um, yeah, I, I, oh, I have one more question. I forgot. Okay. Oh, this yeah. is a really cool. This is a really cool quote from your book. The miracle business is bigger than we think. Tell me what you meant by that. I think most of us look at miracles and think, oh, like, I think people maybe in the context of Catholic faith may think of like, 
Bonnie Engstrom and the Miracle of Her Baby, who is um, mm-hmm. the miracle for the beatification of Fulton Sheen, is that they look at it and they're like, oh, that's a big miracle. Like that was a big ask and it absolutely is a big miracle. But we forget about the little miracles that happen in our lives every day. I mean, uh, what's going on right now, there have been, as a matter of fact, there were two specific prayer requests that I had all along my book tour. They were private family prayer requests. And I really, I mean, as a matter of fact, I knelt before Fulton Sheen and begged him. I'm like, not really into the begging thing, but I'm really going to need you to deliver on this. And uh, <laughs> I, took those into, I took those two intentions with me um, everywhere that we went, every chapel, every church, every group, all, all with me. And they were answered this spring. Mm. And they were miracles. And I think most people look at me like, well, that wasn't a big ask, but in our family, it was a huge ask. And I think that we start to, to, to look at our miracles and we start to stack them up. How do they compare to other people? Well, God only does big miracles. Like that's only, but there's a lot of really beautiful small miracles that are just as big as the ones that are on the front cover of USA Today. And I think we've forgotten that God really does answer our prayer. And they really are tiny little miracles along the way that really help form us. But they also help remind us of our love and our worth and our value. And so that's why I really wanted to talk about, that's actually the last chapter of my book. I don't want to spoil it because it's a good chapter. But that, the gift of our sixth baby was a massive miracle to our family. And it it was another reminder that we got a big miracle with Luke. But boy, did he give us a whole lot more. And it's not like you get your one miracle and Jesus is like, mm, like punches the card and is like, okay, you're good. Like he <laughs> continues. <laughs> Tenth visit's free. But I mean, he continues to bestow, he bestows that on us all throughout our lives. So don't think that because you're, don't be afraid for the big ask, but also don't be afraid to ask him for all some of the other little things that are going on in your life because they could end up being the miracle that really does transform you. So bigness doesn't necessarily mean importance. And I think I wanted people to be reminded that God is still in that business every day. And it doesn't just happen to some people. It happens to all people. Mm, God is so good. Yeah. He, he wants to be involved in our daily lives. And a lot of times I think we can start to think, oh, he only wants those big, huge things. Cause that's, yeah, like you said, that's what you read about, but he's, he's truly here. And um, yeah, that resonates very deeply with me. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your heart and um, yeah, all of your knowledge and wisdom. It's so great to connect with you. I love that we have technology that we can do something like this. I know, Isn't that this great? Is great? We're recording this in the coronavirus pandemic. And this is like my opportunity to talk to another adult today. It's so great. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> thank you so much, Catherine. Thanks, God bless you. you. Thank you. That lady is just a treasure trove of wisdom. And I am so glad that you joined us for coffee today. I so appreciate you tuning in and allowing me to be a part of your day today. If you're enjoying the show, may I humbly ask for a rating and a review on iTunes. It helps the show get seen by more eyes. The first thing you notice when you come to check out a new show and the more ratings and reviews, the better. So please, please come on over if you have five seconds, because yes, it only takes five seconds. It would mean the world to me. So thank you so much again, and may God bless you wherever you are in your journey. Don't forget to sign up for the God's Adventure Awaits Summit at stacysummerow.com slash adventure. You can go ahead and follow the link in the show notes to find that. God bless you, and I'll see you next time for some more coffee.